Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Casey Cantrell. And welcome to Animation and Beyond. Yes, and this is episode three of season two. And what are we talking about today? Something pretty interesting. What's that? Plot twist villains. Ah, <laughs> Clever, Casey. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yeah, so plot twist villain. So could you explain what you mean by that? Characters at first, when we first see them, seem nice or seem good or friendly and then revealed to be bad and evil later and be complete villains. That's right. And could you give some examples? The Prospector Stinky Pete from Toy Story 2, Henry J. Waternoose from Monsters, Inc., Ernesto De La Cruz, Coco, Evelyn Dever, Incredibles 2, and Bellwether from Zootopia. Yeah, so those are a lot of good examples of villains who we don't realize are villains at first until much later into the film so we're gonna break down who these villains are and the bigger significance of that because i think the interesting thing about plot twist villains is that they're not just bad but usually they are in service of some larger theme in the movie or some some other thing there's a purpose behind why they are revealing themselves as villains yeah so, before we get started on that, though, we have a very special On This Birthday. So, for today, we are doing a very special celebrity, somebody that many of you might know, and that's me! <laughs> So we are recording this on Monday, September 23rd. My birthday is actually tomorrow on September 24th. So Ezra, is there anything special or anything at all that came out on September 24th? Um, yeah, like on a good movie I remember on your birthday, September 24th, 2010, was a dark fantasy film from Warner Brothers called Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul, which was a dark fantasy film with owls loosely based on a series of novels called The Guardians of Gahul. Nice. Well, it looks like there is a movie that came out on my birthday. That's pretty cool. So I think we're ready for the feature presentation. What are the plot twist villains that we are talking about today on this podcast? Prince Hans of the Southern Isles from Frozen, Charles F. Muntz from Up, and Lotso Huggenbear from Toy Story 3. That's right. So we are going to be talking about all Disney properties, I just realized. So first, we're going to start with Prince Hans from Frozen. So tell us a little bit about who Prince Hans is as a character and how he's involved in the movie. Um, Hans from Frozen seems charming and handsome when Anna first meets him. She thinks he's in love with her. But it turns out later, he was not actually in love with Anna. He was pretending. Right. And why was he pretending? He just came so he could rule Arendelle. He really came here. He didn't come here to marry Anna. He really came to rule Arendelle. Right. So I think his plot was he would kill Elsa, yeah. marry Anna, and then through that basically usurp the kingdom for himself and have that power over the so kingdom. So he was actually pretty selfish and greedy. Right. I think that ties in pretty well with the plot itself of Frozen, which really seems to be interested in this idea of love and true love. So the stereotype in previous Disney films is that true love was between a prince and a princess, and it was usually a love at first sight kind of thing, right? Like the prince and Snow White, Prince Charming Snow White, or Eric and Ariel, or 
the Beast, who is actually a prince in Belle. Right. Or Naveen and Tiana and the Princess and the Frog and Flynn and Rapunzel entangled. Right. So there's a lot of examples of two characters meeting and immediately falling for each other, getting married and living happily ever after. That's the stereotype, right? So Frozen really seems to be interested in flipping that idea on its head and really tackling what does it mean to love somebody? So in this film, Anna has two different love interests, right? Yeah, the other love interest who was a good man in this film was an ice harvester named Kristoff, whose best friend was a reindeer named Sven. Right. And at the end of the film, so spoiler alert for people who have not seen Frozen, at the end of the film, Anna gets frozen and it's revealed that only true love will save her. So at first, we think that it's Kristoff because throughout the movie, we've seen them developing this relationship, getting to know each other and sort of developing some kind of affection for each other. But when Kristoff tries to rescue her, it doesn't work. And in fact, the person that it does work with is Elsa. And there's this idea that true love doesn't necessarily mean romantic love. No. So... How does that tie in, do you think, with Prince Hans as a character and how we see romantic love through him? Anna and Elsa sing a song about it called Love is an Open Door. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that song for people who might not have seen the movie. About Anna and how she expresses and tells how for years, for a long time, doors and gates were closed when she was separated from her sister since she was little. Yeah, so in the in the film, we see this uh, relationship between the sisters, right? This mm. sisterly bond that started from when they were children and how they were separated because the parents were afraid of Elsa's powers. Yeah. And they wanted to protect Elsa and they wanted to protect Anna. But they even despite the fact that they were separated as children, they still developed a bond and still developed a love for each other as sisters. So... By the end of the film, it's that sisterly bond that helps save Anna rather than a romantic love. Yeah. So that gets to the question, what characterizes love? Romance. Is, is that true, though? Does that, is that what the movie says? No. More like love as in affection, mm-hmm. heart, soul. What do you mean by heart and soul? What it is on the inside. Okay. So I think the movie is telling is giving us an important message that love is more than being charming and being cute. It's about developing a real connection to somebody and growing that connection. I know that Anna was really in love with her sister Elsa mm-hmm. and also along she was also in love with a man named Kristoff. Right. Yeah, so I think the movie is really blowing up the distinction that true love doesn't have to be romantic love. So Anna loves Kristoff, but she also loves her sister. And the fact is, she's known her sister her entire life. Mm -hmm. She's known Kristoff for just the one portion of the movie. Yeah. So you can't replace that. There's no matching that kind of level of love that in this case comes between family. Yeah. So that's Prince Hans from Frozen, his role as a plot twist villain. So what about Lotso? Tell us about Lotso from Toy Story 3. He is the villain of the third movie, and he was a pink bear who smelled like a strawberry. Uh, Yeah, that's one of his characteristics. And he, at first, he seemed friendly and welcoming and kind on the outside, Mm -hmm. and thinks that when he introduces the toys to Sunnyside, that it'll be a happy place for them, but it was later revealed 
that he's actually a mean-spirited, bitter, and evil bear, and that Sunnyside is not a place for a toy that would make him happy. It's a place that would make him miserable. Right. Yeah, so Lotso plays out as a classic villain where he he's basically a dictator of this daycare. But we learn something about Lotso, that he is not all that he appears to be. Because Chuckles, who was a clown owned by Bonnie, had told Woody that Lotso was once owned by a little girl named Daisy, which he which she, she first got him for Christmas, and then she loved him and played with him, but then she accidentally lost him and left him behind and couldn't find him, and then replaced him with another Lotso toy, but then that turned Lotso bitter and evil and cold-hearted. Yes. Yeah, so it's really a story of abandonment, because Lotso, as a toy, feels like he has been abandoned by Daisy. And, and he, no child would ever love him. Right. He then takes that experience, that trauma that he experiences, and basically uses that as a reason to be cruel to others. I know, and then he treated other the t- other toys miserably, and the toys come with an escape plan to escape the daycare, but then Lotso comes and stops them and gets disposed, and they end up at the landfill along with Andy's toys. That pretty scary scene with the incinerator. Yes. And then Woody tells Lotso to to push the button, but Lotso just stares at him evilly and, and grins and says, where's your kid now, Sheriff? He was just, he couldn't reform himself. He kept being on such a horrible, evil bully. Right. Yeah, so I have a question for you, Ezra. When you first learned about Lotso's backstory, how did you feel about him as a character in that moment? I just feel sorry for him, how he was abandoned, and that's what made him bad in the first place. Yeah, so I think Toy Story 3 provides an opportunity for Lotso as a character to redeem himself. But he didn't redeem himself. He just, for no reason, he just remained as a horrible, evil bully doing bad things. Right. Why do you think that is? Why does he choose not to redeem himself? Because of how some someone abandoned him and he right. didn't, didn't know what it felt like to be owned by someone else. Yeah, and I think we see a similar parallel with Woody and the other toys in that in some sense, they feel like they perhaps have been abandoned by Andy. But the, he, he's not abandoning them. He's donating them because he'll always remember them. He'll never forget them right. when he leaves. And then the toys also live a happy, happy new lives at the end living with Bonnie and some new toys as well. Right. That's the thing is that they know Andy. They know that he would never purposely leave them behind or maliciously leave them behind. Yeah. And that's something that Lotso never realized about Daisy is that it wasn't intentional. Losing him wasn't intentional. In his mind, it was. And so he always used that as an excuse to just be cruel and miserable. But at the end, when he was disposed, after he was disposed and then he was attached to a, the grill of a garbage truck when a man found him and with some other toys on the, the grill, which is his defeat, those other hench toys who who worked for him... A robot named Sparks, a rock monster named Chunk, a green fly named Warrior Figure named Twitch, and a purple rubbery bathtub octopus named Stretch. Mm-hmm. They all become good guys later and and turn Sunnyside from a miserable, bad place for toys to a, into a better, happier place for toys to be after Lotso was gone. Right. Yeah, so these other characters that were 
essentially ruled by Lonzo, they learned their lesson and they re- reformed themselves and, and become better. It was shown in the credits and also how they turned Sunnyside into a happier, friendlier place for toys. So what do you think is the lesson that we can take away from Lotso's story as a character? You don't have to be evil for no reason just because you were left behind. Right. I think it's saying that there isn't really an excuse Even if something terrible happened to you, that's still not an excuse to be cruel towards others. I see, I see. And I know Big Baby, who was his former henchman, was also abandoned by Daisy, but then he turned his back on Lothso and threw him in the the dumpster. Right. And he became good later as well, and turned after he turned his back on Lotso, who was such a horrible, bitter pink bear. Yeah. Yeah, I think the baby toy is almost operates like a mirror to Lotso, where Lotso creates this story in his head that he's been abandoned, he was purposely abandoned, and the baby toy realizes that's not the case. And even if it was the case, that's still not an excuse to be cruel and to punish other toys for and what Lotso, And Woody tried to show tell Lotso that he was abandoned by Daisy, but Lotso didn't understand and had no idea what he was even talking about. So Woody told him that it was a girl who abandoned him, but... He forgot, but then he remembered, mm-hmm. and it showed how really evil and really vicious and cruel he is. Right, so it's almost like the trauma itself doesn't matter anymore. He's in- internalized it so much that he is just now a cruel person because of it. Yeah. So that's interesting. And how he had a, re- a pea-sized heart. Yes, that is very interesting. Okay, so that was Lotso. So now for Charles from Up. Charles... F months. He was the villain of that film and he was the idol, the the hero of the main character, retired balloon salesman Carl Fredrickson and also his late wife Ellie. Mm-hmm. As he first appears, what is Charles like? Seems friendly and he seems adventurous and he seems like an explorer. So Carl grew up with Charles as a childhood hero. And I, th- I think it's actually kind of on purpose that their names are so similar because yeah. there there is a connection and certainly Carl wants to be like Charles. Yeah. He wants to be an adventurer. He wants to be a hero and go on these crazy adventures. And he just never was able to as a kid and a grown-up until much, much later when he's a bitter old man and he wants to go on like one last adventure. He discovered rare species of bird, an enormous bird from a lost, undiscovered world called Paradise Falls. Yeah. Somewhere, a lost world hidden in South America. Right. It was a land lost in time that nobody has ever seen before. And along the way, Carl picks up a couple of companions. He picks up Russell, the Boy Scout. Who's who's from an academy called Wilderness Explorers, and he had earned a lot of badges, and he has one last badge to earn. Which is? Assisting the elderly. (laughs) And because Boy Scouts, like Scouts in general, work hard and have to achieve in order to get all the badges. And he also meets a dog named Doug. Who says, hi there, my name is Doug, and I love you, squirrel! (laughs) And Doug can't actually talk, really. He just has a collar which makes him talk. Right, right. And there were those other dogs who used to work for Charles Muntz, like Alpha and Beta and Gamma, who had collars that made him talk. Yeah, so, but the thing about Doug is that he's a very friendly, kind of witless character. You know, he's not as smart, he's not as athletic, he's not as skilled as the other dogs that they run into. Yeah, yeah, and then Russell later finds that 
multicolored, enormous bird named Kevin, who doesn't talk, but is but is very friendly and is a gentle giant and is revealed later to actually be female. Kevin has babies and they go on a, a mission to bring her back to her babies. So, yeah. So in the process, what do we learn about Charles? He was evil. He just wanted to find that rare bird after all these years. And for what purpose? To make money. So we learn that Charles, he's crafted himself as an adventurer, or crafted his image, rather. But in reality, all he's interested in is money. Yeah, and that's when he reveals his true colors, that he was not actually what he seems to be. When Carl learns that, what does he realize about his childhood hero? He was not really an explorer. Dig into that a little bit. What does it mean, or at least what does the movie tell us it means to be an explorer? To like go searching for things and looking for things and remembering them. It's not for money, it's for friendship. Exactly. And so along the way, he makes friends with Russell and Doug, who at first they seem pretty useless. But as the movie progresses... Carl realizes something about them. They're helpful and then they're important and it's good to have people, good to have friends beside you. In that sense, what does it mean to be a hero? Because in Carl's mind, Charles was a hero. But the hero is when you do something good for others. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if you're skilled or if you're this amazing adventurer or if you're the best at what you do. That's beside the point. It's more about an attitude. Yeah. And as Carl befriends Russell and Doug, what does he learn about himself? That his adventure is, is the main thing about it is about friendship. It's about sharing it with somebody, right? I think that's a big... So we see that the opening montage, which is really, really sad. But we see that he goes on this adventure with his wife, with Ellie. And but, we see that companionship that he's had. But it just shows that she did, sadly, pass away before she got a chance to go to the place she's dreamed of. Right. And I think he uses that as a reason to be bitter and to keep people out of his life. And Cam, that's why he got, like, lonely and grumpy. Right. And so I think in the process of this film, he learns, actually, it's, it's important to open yourself up to others. To allow yourself to have friends and to have companionship because being a hero isn't just about going out on your own it's about sharing this experience with somebody else yeah it is yeah so those are the three movie villains the three plot twist movie villains more than just surprising the audience i think they play a bigger role in developing the themes of all three movies yeah i'm saying is don't judge them from what they look like on the outside there is something more important about them on the inside, which may not sound like something you expect. Yeah, and I think that's, it's certainly an old lesson, but it's still a good one mm-hmm. because all three of these characters, they share that in common, that they're they're very charming as characters, mm-hmm. but the inside, it's rotten. And it's about looking past that surface and trying to find qualities that make people truly special and truly considerate, compassionate, heroic even. Yeah. All right, that'll be it for the feature presentation. Before we let you go, I just want to remind everyone that we have a Patreon. So again, our Patreon page is patreon.com slash animation and beyond. So if you feel like supporting us, give us a look there.
And now we have a trivia question to answer and a, a trivia question to ask. The trivia question to answer last week was, why are the pigs green in Angry Birds? The reason they made them green, because the time they developed the game in May 2009, the time of the swine flu, that's why they decided to make the pigs green and make them the enemies in a would-become-popular game we all know today as Angry Birds, which is now nearly 10 years old. Right, so they first the pigs were the enemies because of the swine flu, and then they made them green specifically because that looks sickly. It looks like a disease, right? Yeah. So that's why. So now it's time for this week's trivia question. Where did the name of the big digital age tech corporation Google originally come from? A very good question. So if you know the answer, give us a shout on Facebook or on our email animationandbeyond at gmail.com and we'll give you a shout out if you know the answer. Animation and Beyond is written and produced by Ezra Fieldsmeyer and Casey Cantrell with music by Noam Fieldsmeyer. We'd like to give a big thanks to the family and friends who have supported this podcast. Got a comment, question, or recommendation for future episodes? Let us know by leaving us a comment on our Facebook page or send us an email at animationandbeyond@gmail.com. Thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye. See ya.